Welcome to Solutions for Health and Happiness with Claire and Helen, the Lightning Process team. Want to live a life you love? Start here. Hello and welcome to podcast 13 in our series. I'm Helen Harding and my co-host is Claire Brooker. Hello everybody and thanks for tuning in again. We really appreciate you listening. So last time we talked about dealing with negative people in your life and our top tips for this were... The first top tip was to treat the negative person with compassion. Understand what it must be like to live with such negativity in your life. They have it 24-7 and they don't know how to stop it. So treat that person with compassion. And we also said about taking responsibility for your own happiness and asserting boundaries to ensure you're doing what's right for you despite this other person's negative perspective. That's a great top tip. Also make sure you're responding to this person with maturity. Don't fight negativity with negativity as that's just adding fuel to the fire. Instead, ask yourself how you want to respond to them in a way that's healthy for you. Also start to ask yourself if you get anything from hanging out with this person. Have you fallen into a bit of a caregiver role? Or does their being negative make you feel better about yourself in some way? And our last tip from the last episode is you can't save everybody. You can't always save the world. However, what you can do is make the world a better place by working on yourself, becoming self-aware, protecting your happiness. You may even help this particular person by showing them it's possible to live a great, happy and loving life. So Claire, do you want to introduce today's topic? So today we thought it'd be really great to discuss how as humans we are absolutely fantastic at distorting our reality. And we need to do this. This is a useful thing. We have so much information coming towards us at any one point. So we need to focus up on what's important for us. But we can also do this in an unuseful way. We could do distorted thinking that's hindering our progress in some way. And this is what we want to talk about today. A client sent in a list of ways we can do distorted thinking because they've been listening to our podcast and thought it would make a great topic. So we put some of our thoughts around this and we thought we'd see if it resonates with you. Absolutely. So let's start off now. So the first one we want to uh, talk about is something called all or nothing thinking. And this is when a person would look at things in absolute black and white categories as if there's absolutely no middle ground. There's no shades of grey. So, for example, you know, if your performance is less than perfect, then you might feel like a complete failure. So, for example, I had an athlete do the lightning process with me and they wanted to get back to full health. But for them, that was to be at competition standard immediately. And to be honest, that's pretty extreme. It's not particularly reasonable. So what we would do instead is take a more balanced approach to this and look at how they would train themselves up to that standard again. We certainly would. Another thing is overgeneralisation. It's like you view a negative event as a never-ending pattern of defeat. And a great way to spot this is if you're using words like always and never. Do you remember that old saying, always the bridesmaid and never the bride? (laughs) Yeah, I do. I do. And another thing with this is something called magnification. It's where you blow a situation out of all proportion. Something like, I told a joke in my speech and no one laughed. My reputation is ruined and I'm never going to be able to face anyone again. That's so key, Helen. 
Another one I wanted to suggest is um, a negative filter. And what I mean by this is that you might well dwell on the negatives and ignore the positives. We see this time and time again at the clinic where somebody has just done phenomenally well, but yet they start to delete this positive experience almost immediately. Uh, so for example, if someone with low self-esteem is paid a compliment, what they'll tend to do is they'll tend to brush it off as if it was nothing. Uh, but if they were criticised about something even tiny, what they'd do instead is would be to take it to heart. Another way of doing this negative filter would be not just to delete the positive change, but maybe in a more subtle way to belittle positives in some way. And uh, the way to do this would be to use the word but. But negates the sentence that went before it. What we suggest instead is try to change the word but for and and see how that changes the meaning of your sentences. You know, for example, if I drew a lovely picture and I asked you what you thought of it and you said, yeah, Claire, I think you did a really good drawing there, but I'm not sure if that looks like what you think it's supposed to look like. Immediately, your compliment for me would just be completely polluted, and all I would think be thinking about then is, oh, they think my drawing's rubbish. That's a great example. <laughs> um, so, mi minimisation is another way of belittling positives. Another thing that we see is people jump into conclusions. You conclude that things are bad without even having fully understood the situation or the circumstances. And ways of doing this are things like mind reading. You assume you know what people are thinking or feeling when there's no way that you can get inside their head and know what's going on. And also fortune telling, predicting that things are going to turn out badly, predicting the future. These are just illusions and it's our imagination that's creating these scenarios that haven't even occurred or are completely inaccurate. And do you know what that reminds me of, Helen? Catastrophizing. Uh Helen struggles with this word, by the way. <laughs> Try and say it now, Helen, because it just cracks me up every time. Catastrophizing. Oh, you did there it. You, you did it this time. I'm telling you, this is probably the first time that I've heard Helen say it in the way it's supposed to be said. Anyway, catastrophizing. What we mean by that is that it's, you know, thinking that if a negative outcome did occur, it would be catastrophic, overwhelming and completely unmanageable. This, of course, creates fear, it creates anxiety. And what we'll probably tend to do is avoid that situation at all cost or avoid a stuff which you don't think is good for you. And it can even negatively affect your health, this kind of thinking. What we'd like you to look out for is um, what ifs in your language? What if it all goes terribly wrong? What if I fail? That's when you know you're starting to go into those catastrophizing patterns. Thanks, Claire. And uh, <laughs> I had to practice a few times to get it right that time. <laughs> anyway, uh, another thing that we look at is emotional reasoning. And this is basing your reasoning purely on your emotions. I feel like an idiot, so I must be one, rather than, hey, I made a mistake. We all do. And also labelling. Instead of saying, I made the mistake, you tell yourself, I'm an idiot, I'm a loser, I'm, I just can't do anything right. This isn't great. It reminds me very much, Helen, of victim thinking. 
And victim thinking is all about seeing yourself as helpless, perhaps a victim of fate, a victim of circumstances. And you might think to yourself, well, do you know what? There is absolutely nothing I can do about it. This is just, you know, how life is, or this is just happening to me. Another thing that we often use in our language is the word should, where we're trying to motivate ourselves to do something. And we also use the word must a lot as well. And what that does is that actually creates unnecessary shame, self-loathing and guilt. I should go to the gym. I must visit my grandma. Instead, change the word should to could or want to. And this way, it becomes a choice or a commitment that you make. Also look out for shoulds when you're referring to others, as you're putting your expectations onto another person, which really isn't reasonable. Things like, he should know how I feel. Yeah, that's a really great tip, Helen. Uh, Next, we want to talk about boundaries of responsibility. And what we mean by that is that thinking thinking that everything people do or say is some kind of reaction to you. Perhaps you assume responsibility for negative events in the absence of any evidence at all. You also compare yourself to others, trying to determine who's smarter, cleverer, better looking, for example. And this causes a lot of guilt in our lives. Uh, For example, it could be that you invited friends out for a meal at a restaurant, which is usually great, you usually love the food there, but for whatever reason, the food was rubbish today. And you start to blame yourself for that, which of course is unreasonable. You're taking too much responsibility in that situation. So our top tips for today are, look out for words that you use, like always, never, but and should and must and start to change them to something else that's more useful or completely drop them from your vocabulary. Stop mind reading others and instead ask them how they feel or what they think about something. You may even be pleasantly surprised. And the last one is avoid catastrophizing (laughs) and instead use your brilliant imagination wisely to plan and predict positive outcomes. We really hope you've enjoyed our discussion today and thank you so much for tuning in. It's always great to have feedback from you, so please do send in your comments. We're always happy to have a chat with you. If you have any questions, you can get in contact with us at www.lightningprocess.com. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, you're one step closer to living a life you love.